and welcome to the Money Talk podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, when does growth become value? Stock markets have been led lower this year as giant growth companies and technology companies in particular have been hammered. When do those falls mean these companies move into value territory? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Rarely have the leading companies in the global stock market fallen as far and as quickly as the fangs have fallen this year. One of the reasons that the stock market falls we've seen have been so steep is that it has been the world's largest companies for a variety of reasons that have fallen out of favour the most. With just five companies representing around a fifth of the US stock market, what happens to those companies really matters. What comes next for the fangs and when do they fall far enough that we can begin to see them as a value opportunity. To discuss it, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Um, Tom, welcome along. Now, before we get into this, can we just have a brief discussion about this acronym, the FANGS? I I really feel we need to address this, uh, particularly as someone who has to write about the companies all the time. It does feel increasingly meaningless. We've got um, F-A-A-N-G, that's Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix and Google. But... Facebook and Google, that's the F and the G, they aren't actually called that anymore, are they? It's uh, its Meta and it's Alphabet. And then you've got Netflix, which increasingly is not even grouped in with these companies, is it? Because it's not actually as big. That's one reason. But also people increasingly see it as not particularly a technology platform company anymore. It's a content company. Um, and of course, you've got Microsoft, which probably is a more legitimate member of this group. So I don't know where that leaves us, but we probably should drop this FANGS acronym, right? Yeah. I mean, how many more reasons do you need for getting <laughs> yeah. rid of FANGS? Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's uh, it's redundant for all sorts of reasons. I mean, I don't like these, I don't like these acronyms uh, generally. I mean, uh, the one... The one I remember from a few years ago was BRICS, of course, and right, yeah. uh, which was about emerging markets. Uh, this, is, this is a, a Goldman Sachs um, formulated uh, uh, acronym, uh, and it was just a marketing thing. And I suspect this isn't even a marketing thing. This is just a shorthand. Um, but the world's moved on, as you say. Uh, the F and the G have gone. Uh, the N should probably be replaced by the M. Uh, we're not going to call it FAMS because that's too <laughs> difficult to say. Yeah, let's get rid of it completely. Yeah, and so for the purposes of this conversation, actually, we're going to come on, I think some of what you said there is relevant to how to what we'll talk about today. But um, we're really talking about um, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Meta, and Microsoft. They're the ones that certainly by size deserve to be grouped together like that. And um, they do have they do have some commonalities and differences, but they do have some commonalities as yeah. well. So. Mama. We'll call it Mama. Ma- Mama. 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 Um, Mom. Yeah. 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 Someone's going to make that up. Probably make lots of money from, <laughs> from an, a new acronym. Um, but let's get on to the subject at hand, Tom. These companies have fallen a lot. What has been hurting them in particular? And is the market right to punish them in the way that it has? Well, I mean, I think I think the, the share prices of these various companies uh, have fallen for uh, a few different reasons. I think that the principal reason is that the, uh, the markets have become more risk averse and um, investors have been looking to take some money off the table to... 
reduce their investments. And of course, what do you do when you when you when you want to take money off the table? You sell what you can. You sell the big holdings. And, and as you said um, at at the outset, these uh, this handful of companies represents something like a fifth of the market uh, in terms of uh, market capitalization. So if the uh, market is going to fall, as it clearly has in the first four or five months uh, of this year, then it would be surprising if these stocks um, didn't didn't fall at least in in line with that however I think they have fallen more than the market uh, uh, as a whole and that's largely to do with the fact that these companies uh, were among the most highly valued companies uh, in in the market so as people have tried to reduce their uh, exposure to risk they have they have they have sold the most highly valued companies um, uh, first because they seem the, the, the most exposed. It's not really to do with the performance of, uh, of these companies because we've just been through the, the first quarter uh, results season. And yes, it was a bit of a mixed bag, but, but generally speaking, uh, these companies continue to perform. They continue to uh, deliver uh, profits. So that's not the principal reason. I think it's uh, basic risk aversion and coupled with uh, the, the high valuation of these companies. And the high valuation of these companies is to do with their, well, we'll get onto this. We've spoken about it in various ways in the past, but they are regarded as long duration assets, aren't they? That means that they have, uh, or people see value from them way into the future. And that has been eroded for a mathematical reason, for a technical reason. So what's that? Yes. So so the the, the reason is that uh, uh, if a company's um, uh, earning stream is perceived to be a long time into the future, then the value of that earning stream in today's money is largely determined, as you say, mathematically by the level of interest rates. And if interest rates are low, uh, then the, the value of earnings that will come a long way into the future is quite high today. If, uh, if interest rates are higher, then the value of those future profits is lower. So what we're seeing at the moment, as we know, is that interest rates are rising. Uh, so that is uh, reducing the value of these, as you describe them, long duration assets. So companies uh, which are perceived to have a lot of their value in the future. Now, I think that raises an interesting question, which is, is that the correct way to look at these companies? Because arguably it's not. Um, I, I think it makes complete sense to um, to describe some technology companies, uh, you know, the, the, the non-profitable technology companies, the blue sky companies that one day might produce lots of profits, but are not currently producing lots of profits in that way. I don't think these companies generally fit into that description because I think in the main not all of them, but in the main, they're very, very profitable companies now. So I don't think they are really, they may be long duration uh, assets, but they're also short duration assets. Yeah, it can get confusing, slightly mind bending, isn't it? It, it is another way of describing that, that sort of calculus that the market thinks very highly of these companies in general. It thinks they're very, very good at what they do. It thinks they'll make money, uh, a lot of money on a very predictable, consistent basis into the future. Yes, and, and that sounds to me like a description of a defensive company. It, that's that's yes. how people talk about companies like Unilever and Procter & Gamble, companies that, you know, that people are going to buy their products through thick and thin. That's a defensive company. So I think in a way, these companies are both 
growth companies, but also defensive companies. Yeah, but if they do have that profile of their earnings being very consistent or, or perceived to be consistent into the future, there will be that mathematical effect because... Um, if, they, if everyone thinks, great, you know, Amazon's going to grow its earnings by 20% a year and it's going to do that for 10 years, you can have an idea of what those earnings are going to be worth in 10 years. And that will be affected by inflation and by the value of risk-free assets like cash, and that's dictated by interest rates. So that's that's yes. why they fall. So that proportion of their value, the, the proportion of their value which is represented by future profits, maybe should be valued less highly than it was when interest rates were lower. And indeed, that is what's happened. But um, a lot of this comes down, Tom, as you say there, to how exactly we view these companies. They are grouped together as technology companies. I mean, everything's a technology company in lots of ways, but these are clearly uh, technology-facing companies. But the reality is they all do different things, and it's increasingly clear that they each often do several things at the same time. They're very, very large companies. I mean, you can think of uh, the case of Amazon. It's traditionally a retailer, an electronic retailer, but it has this giant division which is to do with selling computing services to other businesses. I mean, they are very different types of business. I mean, you can make a similar case for Apple. There's, there's different divisions within, within Apple or Google, what have you. So um, th- they, are, they are, as you say, they can be defensive in nature. Parts of them can be. Parts of them can be cyclical in nature. They're really varied. Yes, and of course, that's another reason uh, why the clumping them all together with, with one umbrella term like fangs is, is, is meaningless because they are such uh, different companies. You know, as you say, some of them are selling services to other companies, you know, in the jargon, they're B2B um, uh, businesses. So part of Amazon uh, would, would, would uh, fall into that category. Clearly, Microsoft uh, falls into that category. Um, uh, uh, it's uh, it's cloud computing services. It's probably one of the reasons why it's done so well in in recent years that that has been the growth in that in that part of its business. But other uh, other of the fangs um, are much more focused on the consumer. Um, you know, Apple is a Apple is obviously a, a good example of that. Um, and some of them are much more geared to the general health of the economy. So. You know, Google, for example, which is basically an advertising business, it's a technology business, but it's also an advertising uh, business, is highly dependent on how much money other companies want to spend uh, advertising their own uh, um, uh, products. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you've got the Facebook, which is basically a social media company. Um, so they're all very different. And, and in the example, you know, it's, it's when you start thinking about it, you just see all these uh, sort of cons- inconsistencies all the time. But if you think about Google, um, and as you say, it's an ad business. So the more companies are investing in themselves and they're advertising more, that's good for Google. But Google also has an effect that it's pinching ad spend from the traditional industry of advertising so it sort of has that effect and amazon would be the same with retailing so they're all subjected to these long and short-term and cyclical trends it's very difficult to disaggregate all of that yeah that's true and, and it's quite and it's, it's a good point to make actually that there is this there, there's the short-term factor you know the sort of cyclicality of their businesses uh but then there is the long-term secular um, growth prospects for these companies because as you say you know google is likely to continue to 
hoover up business which would have gone elsewhere and the same is true of amazon yeah indeed indeed now now what are the fundamentals now telling us tom about the case of buying back into these stocks because clearly if something's fallen in value it becomes a better uh, prospect to buy okay so um i'm going to say here that we've uh, there's been some excellent sort of number crunching done uh, in the in the last few weeks in particular in the ft there was a robert armstrong column um, looking at valuations and earnings of these companies versus other types of companies. What do numbers like that tell us about the case for buying in? Well, I think, you know, in, in broad terms, what they tell us is that these uh, companies as a group have performed badly. Their share prices have fallen a long way. Um, uh, it also tells us something about the, the valuation of, of these companies, because, again, it's it's a mixed bag. Um uh, Amazon, for example, is you know is still you know a very highly valued company according to those figures that you mentioned for, from the FT. You know it's it's valued at still um, uh, even after a forty percent decline from its from its peak, it's still valued at about fifty times expected earnings. So very highly valued company. But the others, that's not true. You know, I mean, the others are you know reasonably expensive uh they're they're valued uh in the sort of 20s as a multiple of their expected earnings um but that is by no means excessive it's not like we're not talking about you know the dot com uh, era of 20 years ago when uh you know many of these companies were just simply not making profits and they were valued on not just massive multiples of their earnings but massive multiples of their sales um yeah. uh so you know, I think that the shares have fallen a lot. They're not m- extremely um, uh, highly valued and they are still generating decent growth in revenues and earnings. Um, so, you know, the fundamentals actually don't look that bad. And I mean, if you read the, the commentary around this, it seems to be that um, we may not yet be at the moment when this is a screaming buy. But it might get there, particularly if some of those, the alternatives, maybe sort of the more defensive traditional sectors, um, they become more highly valued. That's going to flip round again, isn't it, at some point? Yes, because I mean, if you actually look at the numbers and you and and you look at the the, the equivalent numbers uh, for the more sort of traditionally uh, d- defensive stocks, so the consumer staple stocks, I'm thinking of companies like Procter and Gamble, uh, for example, which I me- which I mentioned earlier. You know, their valuations are actually not dissimilar to the tech stock valuations, but their long term growth prospects are probably lower. They may be more reliable. There may be less volatility in their earnings over time, but I suspect that their growth um, prospects are are going to be lower. So at some point, as you say, it may not be now, you know, this process may have a way way to run yet. But at some point you have to say, uh, I'm paying a similar price for a consumer staple stock or a defensive technology stock. Where's the where are the better growth prospects? Well, probably still in the yeah. technology stocks. Isn't the big takeaway from all this that actually this this period of of, of the fangs of these you know we've all been sort of um, blown away by these these companies and what they've been able to do. We haven't, or the market hasn't quite worked out how to correctly value them. And it may have overdone it for periods, but it may also underdo it now. And and so we're going to have this period when we know inflation is high and it's going to stay high for a while. There may well be recession. I think people need to get their, head around, their heads around that. 
And we need to see those companies, how, what, how they do through a period like that. And then probably by the end of it, we will have a much better idea of exactly the forces acting on Apple or on Amazon or Facebook. Um, but yeah, and of course, I mean, that, the problem with that uh, argument, which is true, um, is that uh, investors do not have the luxury of um, looking back in five years' no. time and seeing, what, and seeing how these companies have, have um, coped with uh, you know, inflation, recession, um, rising interest rates, you know, you have to make that 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 judgment now. But so, you know, I mean, I think in 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 those those three things that I just mentioned there, you know, in terms of inflation, um, which companies are going to do well in an inflationary environment? Companies which have pricing power feels to me like, you know, in some ways, companies like Apple do have significant pricing power. So they probably get a tick on on that front. Uh, we, we've talked about interest rates rising and the, the impact that has on, on, on growth stocks. I think the key point here is, you know, uh, to what extent are these long duration assets? To what extent are they profitable now? We've talked about that already. I think in terms of recession, I, I think that's a two-edged sword as well because clearly a recession will hit consumer spending. Um, that's not good for the likes of Google Probably, probably not good for the likes of Apple. They're very exposed to China, for mm. example. Um, uh, but at the same time, to the extent that these companies are serving other companies um, and those other companies are very likely to continue spending heavily on technology throughout the cycle, you know, if, if times get tough, there's actually an incentive for companies to spend more on technology to become more efficient. Uh, I think they probably get a tick on that front as well. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, um, I guess, uh, you know, it may turn out that in time this has been a great entry point for these companies. But, um, and I feel I know what you're going to say here, Tom. Um, the answer for investors now presumably is not to make huge wholesale bets at this point. Exposure to all types of companies at all times is maybe the way to go. Well, it's interesting you should ask that question because in anticipation of you asking me that question, because I knew I thought that you might when I knew the, the topic that we were going to talk about today. I just I did a long term uh, chart of Microsoft and Procter and Gamble. So I started at the end of 1999, which is pretty much the, the you know the, the the peak of of the dot com uh, period, just to see what's happened to the share prices over over the last twenty years. They've both done well, but they've done it in a very different way. Microsoft actually took 16 years, maybe a bit more actually, maybe more like 18 years to get back to uh, its peak level in, in, in 2000. It has subsequently in the last four years gone bananas and, you know, done, done extremely well. Procter & Gamble, uh, it's a classic tortoise and hare situation. Procter & Gamble has just rid risen steadily uh, over the last 20 years and is currently worth about three times what it was at the at the peak of the market in in 2000. So, you know, I think, you know, an investor probably and I'm going to say what you thought I was going to say, probably wants to have exposure to both types of companies because you don't know a what's going to happen in the future, but you also don't know the timing of what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Eggs in baskets, I'm afraid. Okay, okay. Well, that is all that we have time for now, Tom. Thanks an awful lot for joining me. Thanks, Ed. Please note the value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. 
This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product will not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is only meant for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.